You're listening to the sermon series on the letter to the Philippians at Sojourn Church, J-Town. In this letter, the Apostle Paul calls believers to live on the earth now as citizens of heaven. This means that Christians should find their identity not in this world, but in the world to come, centered on Jesus Christ. Amen. So, man, so thankful that God has seen us through three months here, and here we are gathering. I know it's not perfect and ideal, and no one loves wearing a mask, but we're doing that for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ and trying to think of their interests before our own interests. And so thank you guys for yeah, stepping in and kind of abiding by some of the things we asked you to do. So thankful for you all. So yeah, if you're just joining us online and this is maybe the first time you're joining us online or maybe this is the first time you're here, I don't, I don't know, uh, you may have just showed up today. We want to say welcome. We want to encourage you. If you want to find out more about our church, you can uh, text the word CONNECT uh, to the number that's coming up on the screen right now. And we'd love to find ways we can help you get to know us during this season. And so if you got a Bible, I encourage you to grab it. Um, you can, um, yeah, I don't know if we, I think we got the black ones in the, the seat rack in front of you. You can use that. Only thing we ask you to do, if you do use that, just kind of leave it on your seat uh, so we know to change it out for uh, our next services next week. So, but we're in Philippians chapter one. And as you guys are, are turning there, just to remind you, uh, very thankful for the way you guys have been generous during this season and the way that you've given and given sacrificially. And just want to continue to encourage that amongst our body. It's been a, a huge blessing and an encouragement for me personally, as well as the ministry that we're doing here. And so there are a couple of ways that you can continue to give. Uh, you can give by through our app and actually in our app, if you don't have it, I encourage you to download it. We also have a bulletin for Sunday. We won't be given a bulletin for a while, but you can uh, look at it on our app. You can give through texting. It's all on the screen. Or if you brought a physical check today, like I did, you can drop it off in one of those three boxes as you uh, leave this morning. Um, so yeah. So yeah, we're continuing our study in the book of Philippians, and this has been a real challenging book for me, and I pray that it's been the same for you. And, and today's passage, um, yeah, I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up. It, it may feel a little heavy, you know, it's, I kind of feel a little bad because this is the first time we're gathering in person, and this is... A pretty heavy passage, and I think it does speak to kind of some of the stuff that's going on within our culture that's also leaving us a little heavy. And so um, just know I love you, and may the Spirit of God use the Word of God to continue to conform and shape us into the image of His Son. So let's stand together in honor of reading God's Word. So hear the Word of the Lord. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, thank you that we are able to gather together in person. Thank you for those that are able to 
access and use technology and gather with us online. We look forward to the day that we see them face-to-face also. And so, God, may your spirit not only just understand this word, but God, please help us to embody it. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So just as I alluded to at the beginning here, this is a day uh, where I feel a, a ton of excitement. I do, and a lot of joy, uh, not only just because we get to gather and I get to see people. It is a really weird thing to speak to just a camera in an empty auditorium. Uh, we've had a few people in here. My wife has been a great trooper and coming every week and sitting and listening to me and nodding and cheering and laughing when she needed to laugh just to give me some encouragement. And I've even thought about, we've got to figure out some hand signals here so I can know what's going on with you. So maybe thumbs up, maybe this is laughing. I don't know. We don't have to do it today, but we've got to figure out something here. We've got to get our bodies more involved. And this will be really good for us that are, uh, you know, a little fearful of charismatic stuff. Man, we're going to jump into it uh, during this, this period of time. But, but not only am I excited about seeing you in person, but this is an opportunity for us uh, to, we, we get to send out a, a core team of our people to go to St. Louis and start a new work. And I, I couldn't have write, written a better script that the first Sunday when we can gather together in person, we're actually sending 25 people out from us. And you can clap for that because that is a beautiful picture. We, we get to see um, our mission kind of embodied, so to speak. We get to see it in person, no longer just kind of on a piece of paper or on a wall. We are here to reach people with the gospel. We want to disciple and form them to be more like Christ and to send them out. That's just a part of our mission. And sending is both joyful and really, really hard. And we're going to feel that today as we, we bring their team up here at the end of our service and pray over them and, and send them to this new work. And at the same time, like all of us are probably coming in like me, where you feel this excitement and joy and looking forward to this day. But then we're also just like, I don't even know how to describe it other than we just kind of feel weird, troubled, anxious, not sure how to describe this because we are still in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, even though the, we're slowly reopening as a culture and a society, we're, we're also seeing on the news where things are spiking again and where there's a lot of uncertainty, like, okay, can we continue this? Are we going to shut back down? What's going on here? And not only that, we're thinking about all the, the economic effects and impact that being three months, so to speak, shut down, millions of people that are still unemployed. Like, what is going to happen to our economy? What is this going to be like a year from now, six months from now? And then all the, then on top of this, we have racial injustice, just very blatant. The protests, the riots, um, all that's also going on in our culture and in society. And, and so I think if you're like me, you're, you're, you're coming in this morning, and, and maybe this has been a picture of your whole kind of last three months of existence. You're just not really sure kind of how to feel. I'll name, I'm kind of joyful and happy about this, but then at the same time, I'm troubled, concerned, anxious, worried, saddened, angry, whatever. I mean, we're all coming in with these mixed bag, so to speak. So here's the thing I, I, I have felt, and, and I don't know if you've felt this either, but especially here lately, I feel in me this, um, this kind of question rising up that's probably coming from the outside, coming in, but it's basically this, is like, whose side are you really on, Lyle? Where is your allegiance? You got to pick a side. And I think this passage of Scripture um, speaks into this question. 
where Paul helps us see that this is where your allegiance is, right? This is a stated fact for those who call themselves follower of Jesus Christ. And the work that we are still in process of doing is how is this really lived out in my life? And none of us in this room, including me, are a finished product. I would put before you that verse 27 is uh, Philippians in one sentence. Do you want to know what the book of Philippians is about? Well, verse 27 is what the book of Philippians is about. It's the, it's the first command that we have in the book, and it's where Paul is now shifting from talking about himself to now addressing the Christians in Philippi. And this is what he says here, just one thing, or some translations say whatever happens. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. So sometimes when you first read that, if you're paying attention to how you're reading it, it may fit, make you feel a little uneasy. It's like, oh my, now have you put a burden on me, Paul? Now I've got to kind of live up to something now to make myself worthy of the gospel before I can kind of really deal with the benefits and get in on the benefits? No, look what he says, as citizens. It doesn't say to become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. No, as citizens of heaven. When you become a Christian, there's a change in your status. There's a change in your identity. That's a gift. You don't earn that. That is granted to you. So you are citizens of heaven because of the work of Jesus Christ. And as citizens of heaven, you are to live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so, yes, I mean, if you've been around church long enough, some of you may have studied the book of Philippians, and there is a, there's an enormous theme of joy in this book. And I don't deny that, but I would say this, that joy comes by living out verse 27. So if you take out verse 27, then your joy will be dependent upon your circumstances. And what we're after as followers of Jesus Christ is that our joy is not dependent upon our circumstances, that no matter my circumstances, I could be quarantined in prison in Rome, chained to a guard 24-7. Like, man, we thought we had it bad for like a month or so and we couldn't even go out to eat and we're freaking out, Right? Can you imagine, like, having to go to the bathroom? Sorry, man, that, that rice did me in today, right? No, Paul gives us a vision of the Christian life, that there is a, a way for us to rejoice no matter our circumstances. And the key is verse 27, I'm a citizen of heaven, so then therefore live my life worthy of the gospel of Christ. So all I want to do this morning, there's two words here that I think are really important for us to understand, for us to not only understand verse 27, but also to understand the rest of this book. And 28, 29, and 30, I'm not touching on, but those verses there are helping us better understand what's going on in verse 27. Because if you live out verse 27, it'll be a struggle. That's what Paul's saying. Like, if you live this out, this isn't going to be easy. You're going to have people that are going to come against you, maybe even your own physical family, and maybe even those that call themselves Christians. So two words here. First word is citizen, and the second word is gospel. Look at the first word, citizen. And this phrase here on your screen, as citizens of heaven... Live your life. That is seven words. The NIV translates it, whatever happens, 
conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So those seven words, as citizens of heaven, live your life, that is one word in the Greek. Just one word. So, so the translation, like we don't have one word that captures the whole of what Paul is saying here. So we need seven words to kind of understand more fully of what Paul is saying here. And that one word in Greek, and I don't do this very often because I don't think it's helpful, but I am going to do it here because I do think it's helpful, all right? It is, and man, it's been a long time since I've dived into Greek, so just bear with me. It, this, is, this is a transliteration of it, and it's polotiomai, all right? It's kind of something along that. And if you can just look at the transliteration of it, what does it look like? What does the word look like? Say it out loud. Politics. Yeah. And that's, politics is where we get this word. So, so follow me. All right. There's a reason, man, it's so important for us to see this. Yes, this word does mean kind of your manner of life, the way that you live. That's why the NIV has chosen to leave out the word citizen and emphasize conduct yourselves in a manner. It is talking about a way of living. However, when you leave that little word out, you're missing a big point that Paul's trying to make. Because if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, if you remember this, Paul says a similar word when he says, live your life worthy of the calling that you've been given. Very similar phrase there, right? And live your life worthy is one word in the Greek also, but look, it's a different word. So if all Paul's trying to get across is for us to kind of live our lives, behavior, our conduct in a manner that's worthy of the gospel, then why doesn't Paul grab the word that he used in Ephesians chapter four and just use it here? Well, I'll tell you why, in case you're asking that question, because that's the question I was asked this week, is because Paul is trying to make a point. Remember, Philippi is a colony of Rome, which in essence means this. It's a little bitty Rome abroad. It, it, it's kind of like, you know, like going to New York and you get, you know, you go to Little Italy or you go to Chinatown. You get a, a little bit of a taste of China from abroad. That's what we see in Philippi and the citizens of Philippi valued and prided themselves in being Roman citizens. They didn't look down upon that. And so what Paul is trying to help these new Christians, these followers of the way of Jesus in Philippi is help them understand you now have dual citizenship. You are first and foremost a citizen of heaven not a citizen of Rome. And your, your lens by which you now look at how you live and the values that you need to uphold now needs to be, I am first and foremost a citizen of heaven. Secondary as a citizen of Rome. So Paul is not saying, hey, disregard your Roman citizenship because Paul doesn't. Go to Acts chapter 16, read this story. He's in this city getting ready to be unjustly charged. And what does Paul say? I'm a Roman citizen. So he's not telling us to dismiss, discard, you know, go against the empire. No, it's not what he's saying. He's saying this, that whenever the values of this dual citizenship go together, you're in good shape. But whenever the values of being a citizen of heaven come in contradiction or conflict of being a Roman citizen, what takes precedence is your citizen as a 
person in the kingdom of Christ, a citizen of heaven, is the first lens that we look at to understand our values and how we're to live as citizens of Rome and as citizens of the United States of America. Another way you can look at this is like, like all of us carry multiple identities. We all do. So I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a pastor. And those have orders, right? And if they don't, I get in trouble. <laughs> Amen? I'm a husband first. And that filters in on how I parent and then also how I pastor. If I, if I, if I bring that identity down somewhere, like now I'm going to, what's first and foremost as a pastor, wow, man, things are not going to be going good with my wife and I, right? That's in essence what Paul is trying to help us see and the people in Philippi. That there's a new way of seeing. There's a new paradigm by which you live. You're first and foremost a citizen of heaven. And that citizenship shapes and forms how you see yourself and how you are to live as a citizen of Rome and how you are to live as a citizen of the United States of America. Paul is saying Live in such a way where it is clear where your allegiance lies. I came across a story this week, and um, a lot of you guys probably have heard this before because this happened many years ago. It was a story of a pastor out west who um, the Sunday following uh, the 9-11 got up in his pulpit And he said this, I'm an American first and a Christian second. Bomb them back into the Stone Age. A member approached him after the service was over and tried to confront him about this. And the preacher reiterated, he said, I meant exactly what I said here and refused to retract. In times of crisis, we find where our real loyalties and priorities lie, including whether our Christian citizenship or our national citizenship is primary in our hearts. And guys, it's an understatement to say that we are in a crisis right now. We've got layers of crisis that are happening. And just like I said a few months ago through a recorder, like one of the things that we can do during this time is pay attention to what is surfacing. We got Christians who are berating teenagers at Costco because they're asking them to wear a mask. We have people saying that the coronavirus was a democratic hoax, like legitimate. And I always say, man, if that's how powerful the Democratic Party is, then why'd they not win the election, right? They could cause a world pandemic for crying out loud. The obvious racial injustice and the things that I read on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are heartbreaking. 
This crisis is revealing something in all of us. And it is showing us which lens do I put on first to see how I'm going to respond. Do I put my lens as an American on first? Do I put my lens as I'm a Republican first? Do I put my lens that I'm a Democrat first? Do I put my lens as I'm a progressive first? Do I put my lens that I'm a libertarian first? And Paul is coming to us in 2000, 2020. He's coming to us 2,000 years later and bringing a convicting word to every single one of us, including me, that put those lenses down. The first lens you need to put on as a follower of Jesus Christ is that I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, this future reality, and I have a responsibility and a privilege and a calling on my life to bring it in the real now, in the present. And that's the first lens I put on. I'm a citizen of heaven. I am a Christian first. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And that determines my values. That determines how I respond. That determines when I need to shut up and be quiet and listen and try to empathize with someone. That's the first word. Paul's wanting us to find our identity first and foremost and that we are citizens of heaven. Second word is gospel. Look what he says here at the end of verse 27. So just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life how? How is this, how are we supposed to live our life? He doesn't leave it vague and kind of up in the air for you to figure it out. No, he says, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so here's the thing you gotta ask, what does Paul mean by gospel? What does he mean by that? And the reason why this is an important question to ask is because if I did a survey of, like, I think we're close to 100 people here, maybe 75, whatever, and I ask you, hey, what, is, what does Paul mean here about the gospel? I guarantee you probably 75 different answers. We would all give a different answer. They would have some similarities, but they would be all over the place. And so what does Paul mean specifically here in Philippians 1 when he says, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, here's what we got to ask. Why is Paul in prison? Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel. Well, what gospel was he preaching? Well, he wasn't preaching this. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Then pray this prayer. I mean, not that we don't believe that. Like, I do believe that. That's true. Yes, for sure. But that's not why Paul is in prison. Is Paul going around, hey, do you want your sins forgiven and, you know, have your best life now? Then here you go. Here's the, the thing you know. That's, I mean, there's truth in that, and we embrace in that, not that, we don't believe, but that's not why Paul is in prison. Paul is in prison because he's an enemy of the state. Read it in Acts chapter 16. And the reason why he's an enemy of the state is because he's going around announcing this, Jesus is Lord and not Caesar. That Jesus is the one true king and not Caesar. And he's not just proclaiming that, but also that message is being embodied. And because of this, then Paul is in prison. So what Paul is emphasizing when he's talking about the gospel, listen to me, is not the content of the gospel, but the narrative of the gospel. The content of the gospel is 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus died, buried, raised from the dead. If we put our faith and trust in him, we will be forgiven and given new life. That is the content of the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15. That is not what Paul is emphasizing here. He's emphasizing the narrative, the story that can be articulated in what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. 
when he says this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to go what? To preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this was not just done through proclamation. It wasn't like Jesus just went out and just said all these things. He also lived it. He lifted up the poor. He healed people. He lived this reality. So listen to me. Yes, there is content of the gospel that we must believe in, but there's also the narrative of the gospel that we've got to live in. That's why, read on, that's why in Philippians 2 and in chapter 3, Paul gives us examples. Because if you're reading it and you're going, okay, that sounds great to put on a bumper sticker as citizens of heaven. Live your life worthy of the gospel. Put that on a coffee mug. Man, that's awesome. Let's put it in our building. That'd be a great thing for people to read. But that's not where we want to stay. Like the question you need to be asking is then how do I do this? What does this look like? And then Paul anticipates your question and goes, oh, great question. Thank you for asking. Let me give you four examples. The first one is Jesus Christ. And that's what we see in Philippians chapter 2 with this beautiful poem. Most likely a hymn that was sung in that time. And this is not just theology that we have to believe. It's also a story that we live into where he talks about Jesus being the one who self-sacrifices. He looks to other people's interests above his own. One who self-humbles so that we can learn how to humble ourselves before one another. One who waits on the Lord's glorification and the vindication of his name. That is not just theological truths that we need to believe in. And I'm not discounting that. But it's also a story that we live into. And then we have Timothy and Epaphroditus. And then the last example is Paul. This is all that we're seeing here that's going back to verse 27 that's helping us know what does it look like for me to live this gospel out because gospel is both content and story. And he sums all this up in verse 17 of chapter three. Look what he says there. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. The gospel is the retelling of the story of Jesus. The pattern of that story is meant to be replicated as the life pattern of followers of Jesus Christ, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's why, guys, look, sometimes we, we, the, the most obvious things we, we miss like when you read the Gospel of Matthew, you don't have the birth of Jesus and then the death, right? Yes, everything's leading up to that. Yes, the last week of Jesus is so important, very important. But we got three and a half years of story. And that is not there just so that we see that Jesus lived the perfect life for us. That is there so that we can see the pattern. And live into that because the gospel is not just content to believe. It's a narrative. It's a story that we live into. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, my concern for me, and my concern for us, 
is that we can hide behind the content of the gospel at the expense of the story and the narrative of the gospel. We can hide behind getting it right at the expense of getting it out. Because gospel faith always has gospel feet. And I'll give you one example here of what I'm trying to talk about. And I know this is, yeah, there's a lot of learning that I need to do in this. And I think we as a church need to continue to do some learning and growing and educating ourselves. Because here's how we see this played out, right? If we look at systemic racism, which is true, that there are systems in our culture and our society that continues to hold down our, our black and brown brothers and sisters, push them down, keep them oppressed, keep them in their place. If we look at this systemic racism, and I know it's complex and there's no simple solutions, but if we look at that, ah, that's not a big deal. And if we say things like this, which I have heard, it's not a skin problem, it's a sin problem, and all you need to do is just preach the gospel. Then my concern is that what are we doing? We're just hiding behind the content. Instead of living into the story. Now, why do you say that, Lyle? Because we would never say that about abortion. And we're a church that's against abortion. We would never hear, oh, it's, it's not a murder problem, it's a sin problem, just preach the gospel. Gospel faith always leads to gospel feet. It's not just content, it's story. And if you call yourself a Christian, this is who you are. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And that citizenship and that kingdom is marked by righteousness. The thing your soul longs for, goodness, holiness, purity. The fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's the righteousness that this kingdom is marked by. But it's also marked by justice for the unborn, for the poor, for the black and brown brothers and sisters. And these are all issues gospel issues that we have a tendency to want to divide. And Paul is saying, no, we're going to wed these together. And why are they gospel issues? Because they are about the kingdom and the gospel is about the kingdom of God. And so the gospel is not just content that we believe in. It's a story that we also live in. So look, guys, all of us, including me, need the gospel to be true. It's the only way we're forgiven by Christ. It's the only way that we're adopted through Christ. It's the only way that we know that our inheritance is secured in Christ. It's the only way we know our souls can be filled with the presence of Christ. And it's the only way that you and I can look ourselves in the mirror and face all our internal contradictions and admit our blindness and listen and listen and have the courage to repent.
as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And when we do this, it will be hard. That's why Paul says, stand firm as one, as one, one humanity. Doesn't mean there's not disagreement. Doesn't mean that there's not, you know, continued growth. Like we want to be a safe place where we can have these conversations and not feel like we're shame and ostracized. We want to be one. And I look at my brother Jamal and Amr, and I, you know, providentially you're here on this day, right? And I just want you to hear from me and our church, man, we're with you, man. We're with you. I heard for you, man. And I know you've been extremely patient with me and my stupidity. But we as a church stand with you. It is not an accident that here we are in suburbia and we've got a relationship with someone right in the heart of all this. And the accusations that are coming toward you and your family are so false. And we as a church family said, no, man, we stand with you and we contend with you for this kind of gospel. Like I long for this to happen. And I thank God for you, man. Thank God for you, Amber. And may we, as a church, humble ourselves, humble ourselves, and continue to learn. Let's pray. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash jtown.